My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Well, hello everybody there at Sunrise Church. This is Luis Palau, and I just want to greet you on this Easter weekend uh, for the glory that you're going to see of the proclamation of the gospel. I wish I could have been with you, but honestly, though the Lord has been good to me, and I have strength and energy, more than one message, uh, the body just can't take it. So we are excited that Pastor James has invited our son Andrew to come and preach in my place, and I'm delighted to do it. Andrew himself, though he's the son of our family, wasn't converted till he was 27, and then he met the resurrected Christ, revolutionized his life, and now the Lord is using him to lead literally tens of thousands of people to the Lord. Just last year, this past year, in Bogota, Colombia, through an interpreter, over 20,000 people make commitments to Christ. And then in Africa, just a few weeks ago, uh, 19,000 people. Think about that. So the hand of the Lord is on Andrew. I gifted him to be an evangelist. The Holy Spirit works through him. And you're going to be delighted uh, at the message that brings salvation. So the Lord bless you. I'm going to miss you. I drove past your church about three weeks ago. And I saw the big sun sunrise. And I thought, that's my crowd. Sunrise Church. So may you see a glorious weekend with the resurrection Christ glorified and lives changed by his power. Bless you. I love you. Forgive me for not being there, but I'm there in spirit. Bye-bye. Wow, this is exciting, huh? To be together and celebrate Easter and to see Dad's face. We're so happy. Two Christmases ago, they diagnosed Dad as having stage four lung cancer, and they said you have like three to six months to live. And we're like, wow. And of course, he's defying the odds and pushing through, and he's working so hard, and uh, uh, good to see his face. But he sends his greetings, him and Mom. Thank you for praying for him. Um, and in the body, he's just kind of... I guess ultimately, you know, just failing in a way, right? And that's happening. But in the inner man, he is strong and he's going for it right to the finish line, right? He's amazing. But uh, how great to be back together again. We've had so many good days in the past uh, with Dad and, and, and with uh, James and I serving together in various ways over the years and to be together again at Easter. And the best is yet to come, amen? And uh, it's Easter, we're at church, we, we kind of talk churchy church talk sometimes at, at, at church, and especially at Easter. And, um, but uh, I look around this crowd, this is great, it seems like you guys have an awesome service, very like kind of multi-ethnic and kind of diverse compared to the rest of like Oregon and the West Side. I mean, don't get me wrong, but we're like super white out here. 
But not here in this church. Everybody, there's people from all over the place I recognize. And I like that because it makes me feel at home. You know, Dad, you probably heard his accent. He's from Argentina, right? My mom is from Northern Europe. I was born in Colombia. And I have the privilege of having my awesome wife and daughter, Sadie and Wendy. Will you wave? Stand up and wave. Come on, wave. Yeah. So Wendy is from Jamaica. Sadie was born in Ethiopia. My boys were born in Oregon. And we are just a mess. Like we're like the UN or like Sunrise Church, man. We're just confused. But it's great, isn't it, to see all of God's people together here and around the world. Later on, we're going to pray for uh, the people in Sri Lanka who have really struggled and suffered. If you haven't heard the news uh, that some bombs went off and a real darkness has overtaken some people there who have acted out violently, we're going to pray for them later. But like, you know, all around the world on this day, people are celebrating the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And we're going to do it big time right here and represent in Hillsborough, Oregon, right? Good day, good day to celebrate. And you know, this morning I got up and I started reading, um, I'm trying to memorize verses. I'm not very smart. I'm actually, well, I won't say that, but uh, you can ask Wendy. I, I try to memorize verses and uh, uh, I've got these verses written out, First Peter 1, 3 to 9, and I'm trying to memorize them for a long time now. I'm slow. It's been like months, but uh, I don't mind. I love to read it and memorize it. And I was thinking about Easter, and I realized that these passages that I've been memorizing are, are a call to Easter. And it was so exciting to think that all this stuff I've been reading and thinking about, uh, it, it, at the heart of it, right out of the gates, it's a call to Easter. And I want to read it to you. It's First Peter 1, 3 through 9, but I'll just read the first part. And Peter says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And it goes on. I'm tempted to go on because I got it memorized. That's why I have my cards, right? But isn't that beautiful that he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that is a call. It's, a, it's not a suggestion. It's a, it's a call to praise God because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In his mercy, he, he offers us to give us new life And that's a beautiful gift of God. And that's what I want to talk to you today about is this incredible gift, the reason for Easter, why Jesus came. Jesus came and we celebrate Easter. Easter is the fulfillment of the purpose of Jesus Christ coming in the first place. So we've got a lot to celebrate and talk about tonight. And the reason that he came, I'm going to read this verse and we've got a couple passages to read to just draw our our attention to what God wants us to understand. The reason that Jesus came is he wanted to draw people and this world really even but individuals he came for you to draw you and I out of darkness and into light isn't that beautiful out of the shadows and the coldness of life outside of him you may have experienced it I'm sure you have or you're experiencing it today out of the darkness and the cold and the shadows out from the outside into his glorious light in John 12 he puts it this way He says, why did I come? Here's why, he says. I have come into the world as a light 
so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. And he wants to draw us out of the darkness and into the light. And the reason that we can say all this with boldness and assurance and confidence, not only have we experienced it, but the word of God tells us, and we know Jesus is not dead. He is alive, and he is not far from you. He is near to you today. And that's what allows me, with such encouragement and, and confidence, to invite you to meet the living God. I want to introduce you to the living God and invite you to respond to this beautiful gift that he offers you and your life will never be the same. He will revolutionize your life the minute that you step out of the darkness and step into the light of his glorious son, Jesus Christ. Everything is made new and he will transform your life. He will revolutionize your life from start to finish and he deals with it all past present and future he wants it all and he deserves it all right he he doesn't want us to like kind of baby step it towards him right or like just see if we you know give him a test give him a try try jesus no he wants it all he deserves it all he gave it all and he will restore all things in your life and and i want to talk to you about how how he does that and and this is great right so we've been praying for you asking god to speak to you not just now but even before you came. I wouldn't be surprised if some of you might say, I've sort of felt like something's happening in my life. Like there's something spiritual that I kind of can't explain, but I feel these desires coming in my heart. I'm recognizing how my life and my circumstances are kind of being drawn to this place of some kind of, some kind of serious place where I have a decision to make. Something's happening in my life, and it's because God is calling you into his life, and it's in response to our prayers. We have been praying for you, and that's exciting, and we're expecting that God is going to do something amazing in your life today. And that's great, but there's something else happening in this world, and you may suspect this as well, but as much as we would love for you to come into the light and walk with God and experience all this transformation that he makes available to us, there's someone else at work in this world, and the Bible talks about him clearly, and his name is Satan. He is your enemy. The Bible talks about him in so many ways to help us understand. He calls him a liar and the father of all lies. And this is what's happening also on this Easter morning is Satan, he stands in his kingdom of darkness and he calls out to you and he fills your head and your mind and your spirit, fills you with lies. And he says things like this to you. He's like, what a joke, right? What are you even doing here? I thought you said you'd never go back to church and now you're here. What is going on? Don't be such a fool. You don't belong here. You don't belong with these churchy people. Listen to how they talk and all the rest, all the other lies that would, the enemy of your soul would love to keep his clutches in you and keep you in the shadows, keep you in the cold and keep you in the dark. But he is a liar and I urge you today, once and for all, turn away from him. Don't listen to his lies any further. He will say things like this to you. He'll say, Say, you know, like you don't even really need all this. Look around you. You're not as bad as all these people. They might need it, but you're fine. You don't need all this. Or, or he'll say, you're a loser and you're from a family of losers and you'll never amount to anything. And in terms of spiritual activity, forget about it. Look at what you've done. Look how far you have gone. You think there's hope for you? Forget about it. That is a lie from the enemy to keep you in darkness. And there's a thousand other lies he'll fill your mind with to keep you from coming to Jesus Christ and stepping into the, into the light. 
Here's the good news. Satan stands in his kingdom of darkness, but God stands in his kingdom of light and life. And he calls to you also today. And as I mentioned, you may have already begun to suspect that something is happening. God calls you into his kingdom of light and life. And he says, come, come, follow me. He says, follow me and I will give you the light of life and you will never walk in darkness again. Now that is a great promise, hard to believe sometimes. Could it really be true? It is true and it is for you and I wanna tell you as well as I can all about it. But related to those darkness, the darkness and the light and the lies and the truth, I remember and I will never forget, I remember so well how trapped I was in the lies of the enemy and in the darkness of my life that I got myself into. Um, You know, uh, I was thinking about it this morning. This happened to me again this morning. It's happened to me before, but this morning I got up early and it was dark outside still. And I went outside and it's beautiful in the springtime in Oregon, right? We've been waiting so long, right? In the rain and the dark and the dead old trees. And all of a sudden, like, you know, the grass is not mud anymore. It's kind of greenish and uh, things are budding and even some flowers are out and you're like, wow, I love Oregon. It's beautiful. Don't tell the Californians. It's amazing. It rains too much here. Stay down there. But you're out there and it's kind of dark and, and, and it's cold and I'm just getting excited about my day. I feel so encouraged. I'm thankful. And, and then something amazing suddenly out of nowhere, right across the street, over the ridge, across the, the hillside there, something amazing happened to me. The light of the sun just burst across the ridge and just shined right into the, into the yard. And you know, everything that was sort of dark and shadowy became uh, visible and bright and colorful and full. And, and I felt this little warmth coming over me and a little breeze started to blow and I heard the birds chirping. I'm like, that's so beautiful, it's amazing. And I heard some kids chattering across the way and I'm like, you just hear life and you get excited for it and you get so excited. And, you, and, and, and I say to myself, God, why? Have you been so good to me? Who am I? And what is my family that you'll be so good to me? And I thought about my wife and my kids in the house and how good he has been to me. And this joy and encouragement came over me and I was so excited about, uh, about life. And, and I was like, it's not like I won the lottery or something, right? I mean, it's just morning time and the, and the sun comes up and I'm stoked about life because God has been so good to me. And it reminded me of another time in my life, 27 years of days and mornings like that in my life where things did not seem happy in the mornings. Things were horrible, especially in my life in the mornings. And on those mornings, Mornings, having been out all night partying with my friends, I would find myself in some who knows where, some stranger's apartment, doing the things I shouldn't be doing and, and feeling terrible about it. Everybody else has gone to bed, but I'm lingering either by myself or with people, who, maybe friends or maybe someone I don't even know, doing things I shouldn't be doing. And you know that horrifying feeling if you've ever been there when it's night and it's dark and you've been raging around town and all of, all of a sudden something horrifying happens. And what is it? The sun comes up, right? 
and the light of the day shines into the room and you're, you're horrified and you're like, oh, get me out of here. And you just want to run to your home, run to your apartment and hide and sleep it off until you can get up in the evening and get another drink and go down this terrible cycle. That's what the, the kind of life that I was living in. Everything that had been for fun had, had, had enslaved me. And when the light came out, I didn't feel great. I didn't feel excited. I didn't feel joyful. I felt exposed. And I felt, I felt so discouraged. Here's what the, the Bible says. Here's what God says about the situation. And this is also in the book of John. John chapter 3, verse 19. He describes it. And you can think of this and what it means to you as well. And he says this. This is the verdict. Life, light, has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. And that is exactly what happened. My deeds were evil. My heart was evil. I had, I, I had this great mask that I wore to show the world. Everything's fine with Andrew. But in my heart, I was just a selfish, self-centered punk kid. And I didn't give a rip about anybody but myself. And I was re- receiving the results of that lifestyle, discouragement and despondency. And so how does that happen for two people that the same morning for one person holds in store life and excitement and light and encouragement. And for, this, for another person, it's sadness and defeat and discouragement. Why and how does that happen? Well, it all depends on your response to Easter and the good news of Jesus Christ and the beautiful gift that he offers you. I want to talk to you about this life in the light and, 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 and I'm trying to describe it the best way I can but more important than how I would think of it or describe it, I want to turn your attention to this great passage in John, again, this is all John Day today, in, in John 10 uh, and verse 10, and this is what God says. This is how Jesus puts it forward. And I love those places in the Bible where everything is just kind of like distilled into one clear thought and action and response. So you can, re- I'm not that smart. You know, I already confessed that earlier, right? Um, so I like to know very clearly what is God saying to me. And in here, I see God, how he himself describes the situation that we're facing today. And in here, I see everything that God wants for you. And this is how he summarizes it. He says it this way. He says, the thief, we already talked about him, right? The thief comes for one purpose only. He comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it in abundance. What an awesome promise. God came. Why did he come? He came to take you out of darkness and bring you into the light. He came to take you out of the poverty of life without him into what he calls the abundant life. Away from the ultimate destruction that the enemy will certainly bring into your life. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And that word destroy, you know, the translation from the Greek over to English is kind of hard. Destroy is pretty bad, but it really means to butcher. It's a picture of what happens in a shop of a butcher to to take an animal and chop it limb from limb. And this is the kind of destruction that Satan desires for us. It's the kind of destruction that he thought he won the victory on when Jesus went to the cross. But God had the ultimate victory because he is not dead. He is alive. And he rose from the dead. And he did it for you. And that's what we're celebrating today. Jesus is alive. And he desires for you to walk 
and have the abundant life. So I'm going to share with you my story, but before I do that, uh, I want to just describe for you uh, three, three things that, that, that are wrapped up in the abundant life. What would it mean for you to have and to experience the abundant life? What does God say about it? And, and this is what he says, three things that before you accept or before you reject the good news of Jesus and this beautiful gift, you have to understand it a little bit at least. There's much more than this, but these are the three keys that I see about the abundant life. When Jesus comes in and you step into the light, these are the things that happen. The first thing that he does, I told you he would revolutionize your life, right? From start to finish. And the first thing that he does is he takes care of your past. And that's pretty exciting for some of us, right? You'd look at your past, you look at your life, even right up to today, and you look at all of the things of the past, and your heart is not full of excitement, and you're not stoked about it. You look at your past, and when you think about it, you're filled with remorse and grief and sadness, and you've experienced abuse. Maybe you've been an abuser, and all of these things of your life, they come and they haunt you, and that is why Jesus Christ came, because he wants to deal with your past, and this is how he does it. We all are, are burdened down with our conscience. You know, we've all been made with what, what is called our conscience, and our conscience is always in either one of two positions. It's either clean and clear, or it's dirty. And when your conscience is clean and clear, you can wake up in the morning and feel stoked about life. And you see the birds, you hear the birds sing, and you see the sun come out, and you're excited because your conscience is clear, and you can face the day, and, and you get excited about life and relationships with God and with other people because you have a free conscience. That is what God wants to do, is to bring a clean conscience to you. But if your conscience is dirty, you feel trapped, and you feel alone, maybe even surrounded by people, but alone in this world, and there's a dark darkness and heaviness and a sense of regret and hopelessness about the future. And it's all because we have a dirty conscience. And a dirty conscience is a result of sin in our life. And that's what the Bible calls it. I sometimes say, when I think of my own life, I just say, just all the garbage of my life, all of the things that I got involved with that were tearing me down, that were wrong, that I shouldn't have done. I knew better. I did it anyways. I should have done it, but I wouldn't do it. I refused to do it. All of that sin, it's what keeps us from God and what which makes our conscience uh, unclean and dirty. And, and um, this is why Jesus came, to clean your conscience out. And this is how he does it. He wants to deal with your past, and he wants to deal with it once and for all. And you think of the cross and how harsh it seems, right? You're like, I thought Easter was supposed to be like bright and light and pastelli and uh, Easter lily, right? But then in the end, you realize so much of it is about the cross of Jesus Christ, that this man was betrayed and brutally murdered and, and, and hung on a cross to die with a crown of thorns and beaten with a cane and spit upon and mocked the king of the world, Jesus Christ, God's only son. They put him on the cross. Why did he do it? He did it for this because it, it, it required, there's a penalty that we should pay for our sin, and God in his justice requires that penalty to be paid, and we will pay it, except for that he offers this alternative, the gift of God, that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died to take away uh, the sin and the guilt and the shame of your past and to clean your conscience and to give you a fresh start. And it's beautiful, but you have to respond. You have to say, yes, I I humble myself before you, God, and I confess to you right now that I was wrong all this time. I've been so arrogant and so stubborn, but I want to tell you I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And when you do, guess what he does? 
his response as he promises. In the word of God, he says, if you confess your sin, I am faithful and able to forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when he says, I am able, I'm faithful, I am just, as sometimes it says, I'm faithful and just to cleanse and forgive. Why is he faithful and just and able? The reason why is because he's the only one who went to the cross as a perfect sacrifice to pay the penalty that we should have paid. Jesus Christ will cleanse you from your past and you can get a fresh start. And these are his promises related to that transaction. He says, from that point on, in Hebrews 10 he says, your sins and evil deeds I will remember no more. Now that is an awesome promise. The God of this universe, the righteous judge who has every right to judge us and he will do it, but he says to you, humble yourself, confess your sins, I will clean you out. And from that point forward, he says, your sins and evil deeds I will remember no more. Your friends and family might remember, hopefully over time they'll let it go and forgive you, God willing. Uh, your mother-in-law will probably remember, right? But God says, I will remember no more. That will change your life. And I could stop right there and many people would run to Jesus just to receive that. But there's more I want to tell you. He says, I will cleanse your conscience from evil works so that you can serve the living and true God. That is the depth of cleansing and dealing with your past that comes when you receive the gift of God. I pray that you'll do it today. But it's not just about your past. It also, he's so good. He's so full of love. He doesn't care just about our past. He cares about today. And how could you walk in this way? Many people, I think, and I've talked to many people, and I felt it myself, like, I kind of would like to come to God, and I'd like to have my sins forgiven, but I just don't think I can do it. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I've got all these patterns of bad behavior, and I've got all these addictions in my life, and, and, and how can I ever walk with God's way? I'll never change. And you know what God says about that? He says, you're right. In and of yourself, through your own willpower, you already know what you're going to get. You get what you already got. But that's why Jesus came, not just to forgive our sins, to, but to fill us he says to fill us with his Holy Spirit, to give us new power, a transforming power, a power we don't have in and of ourselves just through our self-will and, and our good deeds. It's not like if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds that we're in good standing with God or if we're just sort of up on the higher 50% line of bad people versus good people, you know, like we might be pretty good compared to that, but that's not the standard at all. God wants to, to come in and receive forgiveness, a cleansing, and he wants you to, to be filled with his spirit, to have a new power, to break the chains of the things that have, uh, Satan has his clutches in you. You've given yourself over to these things. He will set you free. And the way that he does it is he comes into your life. So there's a verse that says this. It says, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives them the right to become children of God. So we're all created by God, but we don't become his children until we come into the light and are, what he says, born again, right? I started off saying that he gives us new life, right? So we come to God, we summon to the life, light, and he says, to all who receive him, to who believed in his name, he gives them the right to be adopted as children of God. So you believe in him. What's the other thing he said? Receive him. 
So that's kind of a mystery. Receive him. And the probably people you think of Christians and like, you got to receive Jesus. And you're like, whatever, receive Jesus. Well, here's what happens. You ask him to come in. And guess what happens? He comes in, right? And it's totally like the deepest mystery of life. Our ability to comprehend it is probably pretty minimal. But when you experience it, it changes everything. And what happens is God says, up until that moment, he says, we are dead in our trespasses and in our sins. And you're like, well, I know that's not true because I'm not dead at all. Look at me. I'm here. I eat. I sleep. I go to work. I eat and do all these things. I'm not dead. I'm alive. But what he means is, he says, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. It means that your spirit, this whole huge part of you and your life up until that moment, your spirit is dead. It's not alive. But when you ask Jesus Christ to come in and his Holy Spirit comes in, then your spirit comes alive. And he describes it this way. He said, your spirit and God's spirit are joined. And you become one and you come alive in this new whole part of your life. And it's that part of your life. It doesn't make you perfect. You know, too many Christians that think that becoming Christian makes you perfect, right? But you're transformed and you're changed and your past is forgiven and you have a new power to begin to change and to grow and to walk with God, experiencing the abundant life, walking in the light, and and things get better and better and better all the way to the finish line. So related to your past, the cross of Jesus Christ to forgive your sin and lift the guilt. For your present, the power that you need to move forward in life and get the victory, the Holy Spirit of God will come into your life today and it will be the beginning of change. But the third thing you need to know is that related to eternity, God gives you the great promise of heaven. It's a gift and he puts it this way. In John 10, 28, he says, I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. It's like a triple promise for you. You come to Christ, you give him your life, and these are the kind of things that are helpful to us to understand. He says, your name will be written in my Lamb's book of life. So that when you die and you face the judgment and you go to be determined on which direction you're going to go, and there's only two choices. Dad's been talking about it a lot because he's about to go. And he's like, there's two places to go. And they both start with an H in English. And go to heaven. It's preferable. The other one, not so preferable, right? And it's called hell. And the Bible talks about it, a separation from God for eternity and worse. And, and you don't even need me to harp on it. The Bible says this. You know it for yourself. God says, I've written eternity on the hearts of all people. So in those honest moments in your life, you know what your situation is related to eternity and you you worry about it and you wonder about it. And he says, don't worry about it. You don't have to wonder about it. He says, it's a gift, receive it. I will write your name in my Lamb's book of life and you can have confidence about eternity and you never have to fear death again. Heaven will be your home. And that is the beautiful, abundant life I desire for you. And I'm so grateful for the people in my life that never gave up on me. You already have caught the hint that I wasn't born a Christian, right? Nobody's born a Christian. We all have to respond to the gift, receive it ourselves. God has no grandchildren. I've heard that a lot. My dad used to always tell me, right? Hey, it's nice you're born and raised in this great Christian home, but you have to respond to the gift yourself, and you have to receive it. God has no grandchildren, only children. And so for you, I want to encourage you. My parents, they never gave up on me. There's many people that I could talk about, but my parents in particular, you know, 
I was born and raised in a great Christian home. My parents were faithful to me and my brothers. I had a great church like this, and I didn't see a lot of hypocrisy there or any such thing. But from the youngest of ages, I'm ashamed to tell you, I just turned my back on the things of God and the way of my family, and I just chased after all of the regular, typical stuff of this world, right? All of uh, uh, just alcohol and drugs and all the relationships that go along with that parting lifestyle. And I went full force for 27 years in that direction. And you know, I, I had a great mask to show the world everything's okay with Andrew, but it wasn't okay. And everything my parents had warned me about, about the thief come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, it began to reveal itself over time in my life. My dad would always say to me, There's another passage that is really so strong. Uh, and it says, there's a way that looks right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And dad would say to me, like, son, I see the direction you're going, and I know you're having fun, you know how to have a good time, uh, and, and you get all these friends, but you're, I see you're looking for life in this direction, and as a father who loves you, I've got to warn you, it won't lead to what you think. It looks right to you now, but in the end it leads to death. And how I wish I would have listened to him when I was younger, but I wouldn't listen to him. I ran off. I loved my sin too much and went that direction. Um, through the university, graduated from high school out here at Sunset High School, went off to the University of Oregon, go Ducks. And uh, outside of the constraints of home, I went downhill even at a faster rate and just heaped into my life all of that garbage, all of my lying and cheating and stealing and my arrogance and my pride and uh, all of those things just began to mount and the shame and the guilt of it was harassing me. Uh, I graduated from the university, moved out to Boston on the East Coast, far from Oregon, right? And I started working my way up the corporate ladder out there. And, but no, and, but I, I even, at that time, I slowed down my partying quite a bit, actually, but not for spiritual reasons, but just because I had to get up and go to work in the morning, right? But nothing changed in my life, in the deeper parts of my life, in the places that really mattered, except for this. I began to realize this. Everything that started for fun had enslaved me. And I could pick on a dozen things to, to, to illustrate that, but I'll just give you one illustration of a, one of those traps for me, the things that started for fun and then had enslaved me, and alcohol was a big one for me. And I abused alcohol this way. You know, I realized I could never go to bed sober because if I ever found myself in that situation, in my bed, at night, in the dark, sober, all of the garbage of my life would just haunt me. And all of the shame and the guilt, it was just pressing in on me. And the faces of the people that I had hurt would come up in my mind and in my dreams. And I just felt haunted by all of the hurtful things that I had done and the things that I had said. And I just thought, there's no escape and there's no hope for me. And I was fearful about my future, right? In this world, I would say, like I even said to you guys just now, like I'm working my way up the corporate ladder, right? But like my job, I mean, it was a fine job, but I had no sense of fulfillment in it. I, I, everybody else seemed to be advancing faster than me and all my friends. So even if I would have worked my way out to the highest end of where that job would have taken me, I was like hopeless about it already. And I hadn't even got started. I'm like, that's not going to fulfill me. What is my life all about? And I was fearful about my future, that I would be unfulfilled and lonely and sad all the days of my life. And I could just see it coming. It was happening already. And so, so, and I was fearful about the future related to eternity. And I already told you, you know, I would have said to you back then something like this related to eternity. I would have said some 
philosophical, pseudo-intellectual stuff I learned at the University of Oregon. Didn't even understand it, to be honest. But I would just like throw it out there. You talk to me about a tournament, like these things are unknowable. They're beyond the mind of man to understand and quote some guy and, and push people off that way. And be like, okay, okay, you seem kind of convinced, right? But guess what? In my bed at night, sober, I knew exactly what my situation was because God has written eternity on the hearts of all people. And in those sober, honest moments, I knew it wasn't good and I was horrified. And so this is a situation, I I paint that picture, 27 years comes down to that. And in all of that time, you know, my poor parents, you just got five minutes of it and you're tired already. Think of 27 years with my poor mom and dad, right? And they saw all of that and their hearts were broken and they had great dreams for their son, their number three son. And what is happening? He's going off the rails and we can't seem to get his attention. And he's just going further and further. And they were so heartbroken. They didn't know what to do except for what they saw. God says in his word. And one of the things they saw is that God says that there is great power in prayer. So they prayed for me and they prayed for me faithfully. And I'm so grateful. They had hundreds of people praying for me as I came to find out, right? Just like we've been praying for you. Are you kidding me? We've been praying for you and there is great power in prayer. So if you feel God calling you today, you might be surprised, but we're not surprised because we expect that God will hear our prayers and answer our prayers, that you would also experience the great coming into the light that we've experienced. It's so beautiful and we long for it. They prayed for me and they never gave up. The other thing they did for me is they shared with me the good news because they knew this good news, this message that you can respond to, this gift that is offered, the Bible says about it, it is the power of God unto salvation. And you know, they didn't want me to just be a good boy and less hassle and, you know, obey them more and stop crashing their cars, which is a great side benefit for sure, right? (laughs) But they had this idea that I would become a man of God. And that's what dad would sometimes say. I'm like, ah, oh, don't talk like that. What are you saying? You know, and he was, not all the time, you know, but he would say, you know, uh, I expect that you're going to become a man of God and God's got a great purpose for you. And I'd be like, what is wrong with dad? Is he like blind or something? Doesn't he see what's going on? I mean, no offense. I love him, but it's like he doesn't even see it. He saw exact, he knew better than me what was going on. Because, but the thing that he held on to is that God could transform my life through the good news. And that's why he shared it with me. And you wonder, like, why don't these guys stop thumping their Bible and tell me about Jesus all the time? Because we can't stop. Because it is the power of God and the salvation. To come into the light requires your understanding, hearing the good news and responding to that gift. And that's why we're sort of stuck on it, right? Because we believe in it. Because it's powerful. And it's powerful for you. So dad would try everything. Let's see, what did he do? He would, like, go one-on-one for sure. Like, when I was little especially, he'd say, like, let's go for a walk, son. And I'd be like, oh no not the walk right oh nobody wants to go for the walk and you know what you're laughing so you already know what I'm talking about right it's like son I got to talk to you I, I you know I've been praying I just have some things I'm like oh no here it comes and he'd wake me up early in the morning and we'd walk around the rainy streets of Beaverton and he'd say son we love you you got lots of friends you know how to have a good time but as a father who loves you, I have to caution you. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but God offers you life and life in abundance, Andrew. If you just receive it, you're going to see it. You're going to experience it. And he would, he would tell me about the cross and the Holy Spirit's power and the promise of heaven. And he'd say, what do you think? In some weaselly way, I would just worm my way out of it and reject it. And I just 
am so sad to think of how heartbroken he was, but he never gave up. He would write me letters. I got these great letters. I wrote a book with just my testimony, my story. And the main reason I wrote it is I wanted to put dad's letters in there so people could see the heart of this father and his beautiful letters in his handwriting uh, telling me the same old thing. I'd heard it a thousand times. He never gave up. Uh, And in the end, he did this. 1993, 27 years old, living far out away in Boston. And he'd been praying for me and he felt that he should invite me to one of our festivals. You know, these big gatherings that we put on, they used to be called crusades, like Billy Graham thing. That's what dad does. That's what I do too now. But uh, he said, son, we're having this festival and we thought you'd like to come. And I was like, "Mm, not my idea of a holiday. (laughs) Thanks anyway, dad. I've been to a few crusades before. And he said, that's fine. We just thought you might be interested because this one is in Jamaica. I was like, oh, Jamaica, huh? Hmm. (laughs) Let me think, huh? So it's February. 1993, two feet of snow, and I'm thinking like, yes, I can work this out. I'm thinking about red stripe beer on the beach, get some sun. I know how to handle this Christian thing. But God had other plans for me, and I wish I had time to tell you all of the ways in which the Holy Spirit of God had been orchestrating my life and my circumstances way beyond what my parents could have ever even thought or understood. And I knew something's happening here. I know my parents are after me, but like, what is happening in my life? It's like God is calling me. It's like everything's been set up. It's like it's a setup. What am I going to do? And then I'm there with those thousands of people, and I hear that message one more time for the thousandth time, and it was my time. And by God's incredible mercy, he allowed me to just, he softened my heart, and he allowed me to just humble myself once and for all and just say, God, I am so sorry. And I asked him, I said, God, will you please forgive me? And guess what he did? As he promises, he said, if you confess your sins, I am faithful, I'm able, I'll forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he did it in that moment. And it was incredible radical 180 degree turnaround experience for me where the sin and the shame and the guilt of my life was lifted in that moment and I was just flooded with a sense of peace and in confidence and I just like saw all of life in a new and a fresh way I was like I came into the light almost it was like that right what do you think he describes it that way for that is what it's like you come out of the darkness into the light everything changes and all of life became new for me He healed me of my addictions. He began to transform my patterns of behavior. He gave new desires for my heart, like all these things. I thought, how will I ever get up on those things? And they haunt you. They harass you. All these temptations, they come to you. But I had a new power, the power of the Spirit, to persevere and to win and to grow and to become mature. And even you could say, like, we're becoming God's men. Weird, right? A man of God, just like dad thought might happen. And you're like, that's what I want. That's what God wants for me. And I don't want, it sounds so religious or self-righteous, but you can become a man of God and a woman of God. And it can begin for you today. It's what you were created for. It's why Jesus came to bring you out of the shadows And you feel like, I'm not in the light, I'm not in the warmth, and I don't see life in that way. Come out of the shadows and out of the darkness and into the light. Receive his gift, and it will be the beginning of change for you. And it gets better and better and better. And you know, I got saved in Jamaica, and I also met my wife. So you see, festivals deliver, amen? (laughs) Right? 
So, no promises for the singles, but it worked for me. That's a bad idea, but it did work for me. Anyhow, but for you today, I can't make any promises about the very particulars of your life right now, except for that God will take care of your past and he will forgive you. And he will cleanse your conscience from evil works so that you can serve the living and true God. And he will come into your life. He is good for his promises. He says, not one of my promises has ever failed. He will forgive you, give you a fresh start. He will fill you and give you new strength. And your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. And you will never have to fear death again. Because heaven will be your home. And you never will have to fear eternity apart from God or worry about hell. Because heaven will be your home and your Father is there waiting for you. He's in you now and he's there for you then. He's covered it all. What a great gift. How could you turn him down? I beg you, receive the Lord today. This is our great hope, and this has been our prayer. So, but it's between you and God. Nothing we can do but pray and share and urge you to do it. Let's bow our heads. And if you feel it in your spirit and you know that God has been calling you, this is your opportunity and this is your time. And I beg you, don't let it pass. And don't let the lies of the enemy hold you down any further. What has he gotten for you so far? Give up on that. Come to him. Give him his due and his opportunity. Come and walk with the Savior. And you can begin by just, just asking him. So I'll lead you. And it's, it's not my words or some special prayer, but it's your heart connecting to the living God when you say this to him. Heavenly Father, I love you. And I am so sorry that you went to the cross and suffered so terribly, but I am so thankful that you would do it. Thank you. Please forgive me. Clean me out. I want a fresh start. Thank you for forgiving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe in you, and I receive you now. Come into my life and take over. I receive you, replacing all other garbage in my life. Holy Spirit, come in and take over, and I want to serve you, and I want to know my purpose. And I thank you for coming in. Never to leave me, you've promised. Never to forsake me. Even if my mother and my father forsake me, your promise never to leave me. Thank you for coming in. And thank you for heaven, my home. I can't wait to see you there. And until then, show me what to do. And make me a faithful friend to others. And surround me with faithful friends. And I will tell everyone what you've done. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.